You know, you got to make your mind up somewhere along the way which way you're really going. Amen. I'm not just talking about getting saved. I'm talking about in the old time way. And uh, I tell you, I made my mind up several years ago that when I went to church, I was going to be happy and I was going to have a time if it made the devil mad. Amen. And it does, don't it? If it makes Baptists mad, I'm going to go with God. Amen. Thank God I got baptized in a fire. Hallelujah. Isn't that right? And I'm going to stay with it till the end of the day. And if it's just me and the Lord shouting, I'm going to keep on shouting. Amen. I'm not going to lose my joy. I'm not going to lose my shout. Amen. Doesn't matter who's here this morning. Doesn't matter what anybody thinks about it. Amen. God's good, isn't he, this morning? And it's good to be in God's house. And I praise the Lord for that this morning. I appreciate the good singing. And uh, if you'll stand with us, Daniel chapter number 8 this morning. And God being my helper as the Lord leads. I always say that because I don't know from one service to the next what he uh, definitely wants. But uh, I pray and find his will and direction the best I can. But as the Lord leads, I want to preach the prophecies of this book. I tell you, it's a great book. Amen. And uh, this morning, as God being my helper, I want to be a help to you this morning. And I pray that you'll worship the Lord with us around the Word of God. Daniel chapter 8 and verse number 15. The Bible says, And it came to pass when I, even I, Daniel, had seen the vision and sought for the meaning. Then behold, there stood before me as the appearance of a man. Daniel 8 and verse number 16. And I heard a man's voice between the banks of Eulah, which called and said, Gabriel, make this man to understand the vision. So he came near where I stood, and when he came, I was afraid and fell upon my face. But he said unto me, Understand, O son of man, for at the time of the end shall be the vision. Now as he was speaking with me, I was in a deep sleep on my face toward the ground. But he touched me and set me upright. And he said, Behold, I will make thee known what shall be in the last end of the, of the indignation. For at the time appointed the end shall be. The ram which thou sawest having two horns are the kings of Media, Persia. And the rough goat is the king of Grecia. And the great horn that is between the eyes is the first king. Now that being broken, whereas four stood up for it, four kingdoms shall stand up out of the nation, but not in his power. And in the latter time of their kingdom, when the transgressors are come to the full, a king, a, a king of fierce countenance and understanding, dark sentences shall stand up, and his power shall be mighty, but not by his own power. And he shall destroy wonderfully, and shall prosper in practice, and shall destroy the mighty and the holy people. And through his policy also he shall cause craft to prosper in his hand. And he shall magnify himself in his heart, and by peace shall destroy many. He shall also stand up against the prince of princes, but he shall be broken without hand. And the vision of the evening and the morning which was told and true is true. Wherefore shut thou up the vision, for it shall be for many days. And I, Daniel, fainted and was sick certain days. Afterwards I rose up and did the king's business, and I was astonished at the vision, but none understood it. Let's bow for prayer this morning, and then you can be seated. Father, I want to thank you for your presence today. Thank you, Lord, for just meeting with us and passing by. God, thank you that, Lord, we can make the right decision. 
uh, whether to go with you or to go with this world. Lord, I'm thankful this morning that there are those in this building that have made the decision long ago that they'd just go with God. And I pray that someone this morning would make that decision. I pray, Father, that your spirit would rest on this hour. I ask you, Lord, to touch the preaching of your word and do what man cannot do this morning. May you be glorified, your son magnified, and the church be edified this morning. And we'll thank you for it all. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen and amen. You can be seated this morning. I did not read the entirety of this chapter here, but for just for the sake of time this morning, I want to preach on this subject on history in advance. History in advance. What I mean by that this morning is when we come to the last five chapters of the book or six chapters of the book of Daniel, uh, the last six chapters of Daniel are so much different from the first six chapters of Daniel. Things have dramatically changed. Because in the first six chapters of Daniel, Daniel began to write about, uh, about Babylon and about Nebuchadnezzar and about the Gentile nation, world powers that would be and that were in his time. And he began to talk about him and his friends and the things that they went through in captivity. In fact, if you study the book of Daniel, you'll note that the first six chapters are written in Aramaic, which is an old Gentile language, because uh, it's not necessarily dealing with the Jews as much as it is the Gentiles. But when you come to chapter seven on through chapter number 12 uh, things have changed its course now God is not speaking about the Gentile world but he's talking about the Jewish world amen and in chapter number seven there's a little horn uh, that the Bible talks about known as the Antichrist when you come to chapter number eight there's another little horn this little horn my friend is not the Antichrist but it is one uh, that history talks about a man by the name of Antiochus Epiphanes an Antiochus Epiphanes was a Grecian ruler that ruled uh, uh, during the time uh, uh, which that this prophecy was taking place. Uh, at the time that Daniel saw it, it would be 150 years. That's why in the last verse or the next to last verse that he told Daniel to shut this vision up for it would be for many days. Uh, and it would be 150 years from the time of this vision here that Daniel saw until Antiochus Epiphanes would come on the scene uh, and would begin to rule there in Greece uh, and would soon be the ruler of the entire world. Now I know that you may be sitting here this morning and say, Preacher, what in the world does all this have to do with the church? Well, I think the key verse to our text this morning is verse number 19 because God is speaking to Daniel and he's not just talking to Daniel but this also applies to the church as well this morning. He said, Behold, I will make thee know what shall be in the last end of the indignation. For at that time appointed the end shall be. Why did God give Daniel this vision 150 years before it would take place? Uh, for the same reason that God put it in his word and has given it to the church uh, that you and I might know what the end is going to be. You see my friend in chapter 7 that little horn known as the Antichrist uh, when God is speaking there he is talking about the ruler that will come in the last days uh, and he's talking about in chapter 7 uh, primarily to a Roman world in chapter 7 the world opens up and my friend the view of that stage is a worldwide stage that goes ultimately to the end and at the very end there's a kingdom thank God that will be established forever but in chapter number 8 this little horn is not the antichrist but is a type and a foreshadow of one that is to come but as Daniel sees it he does not see it as the antichrist you have to remember this Daniel is standing on one side of this text 
midst uh, and you and I are standing on the other side and Daniel is standing over here and Daniel is looking at this vision brother Micah and as he sees this vision here and uh, uh, God is revealing to him what is going to take place in history but for Daniel it is prophecy do you know that's what the definition of prophecy is Uh, it is history in advance amen because God does not dwell in time uh, for God sees it all as it is Uh, he's in the past the present and the future for what God was telling Daniel about uh, it was prophecy amen but where you and I stand this morning uh, we're standing on the other side of this text uh, and we're looking back Uh, you can go home and go on the internet uh, or you can take a a textbook and you can read about Antioch Epiphanes Uh, you can read about my friend this tyrant uh, and all that was taking place Uh, for us it is history but for him it was history in advance Uh, but it points us to another time Uh, thank God from where we stand that today there's coming a day friend uh, when Antioch Epiphanes the type and the foreshadow that he was uh, and that he still is uh, will one day come to pass Uh, but I got good news for the church this morning uh, as old brother Earl Hughes used to sing that song uh, about the tribulation period uh, he said thank God but I will be gone amen Uh, I'm glad to report to the church this morning uh, that there is a man of sin and a son of perdition the wicked one uh, that's going to be revealed uh, but we that are saved will not be here Uh, uh, we're going to pull out praise God uh, before this man comes on the scene amen And so for the sake of time this morning, if you'll notice in verse number one, the Bible says in the third year of the reign of King Belshazzar, a vision appeared unto me, even unto me Daniel, after which appeared unto me at first. And I saw in a vision, and it came to pass when I saw that I was at Shushan the palace, in the palace which is in the providence of Elam, and I saw in a vision, and I was by the river Eula. Now whenever Daniel saw this, he tells us some things about this text this morning. He tells tells us about the circumstances of this text. Uh, he talks about the time and the territory in which it was to happen and where it took place. Uh, my friend, this vision happened uh, in the third year of the reign of Belshazzar. And no doubt as Daniel is in Shushan the palace. Uh, you know that Shushan in the book of Nehemiah and Esther was a very uh, key role in those books and in the lives of those individuals. Uh, but in Daniel's time, Shushan is not that big of a deal. And no doubt Daniel may be there as in some form of retirement because an ungodly king by the name of Belshazzar wants nothing to do with a godly man like Daniel. Amen. But it was there in that secret place uh, and in that time of retirement so to speak uh, that God opened the mind of Daniel and gave him a vision in chapter 7. Gives him another vision here in chapter number 8 and reveals to him the end of time and what will come to pass. Amen. Now note with me this morning as Daniel sees this vision he sees two things in verse number 3 and 4 you'll note here that Daniel sees a ram with two horns uh, and that ram represents the Medo-Persians and you know that the book of Daniel is not written in chronological order but if you take the first six chapters they're in chronological order in their own time and place uh, and then the prophecies are in chronological order in their type in their place Uh, but my friend Belshazzar was that king you know in chapter number 5 that he drank 
drank those golden vessels, uh, those sacred vessels, uh, and the Medo-Persians came in and killed him that very night. Uh, and they began to take reign. As Babylon reigned for 70 years in captivity, and the Medo-Persians took captivity, or took reign rather, uh, should I say, for over 200 years. Uh, and Daniel saw them in this vision. Nebuchadnezzar saw them in that great statue as he talked about the statue within itself, the head being gold, uh, but the shoulders and the arms, the breast uh, was that of silver. And that's this ram with the two horns uh, uh, that Daniel is seeing here. Daniel saw him as a leopard in chapter number seven, uh, or should I say as a bear. And so he saw this world power that has been, that was to come in his day. Do you realize this morning that every bit of this uh, just proves that the Bible is true, amen? That what God said in advance uh, would one day become history, amen? I got news for this world. Uh, we've been preaching about the prophecy of the rapture. We've been preaching about the prophecy of the resurrection. Uh, we've been preaching about the prophecy of the revelation of Christ uh, as we look ahead and we look for it. But there is soon coming a day, friend, uh, when we'll stand on the other side of those texts uh, and we'll look back, Brother Laddie, in a glorified body in all its glory and all its splendor and thank God it won't be prophecy anymore. Uh, but hallelujah, it'll be history and we'll be gone. Amen. Daniel, my friend, sees clearly today as he sees this ram that's a picture with two horns, one horn being taller than the other because uh, Persian was a greater, uh, my friend, country than that of the Medes. Uh, uh, but then he sees another one in this vision here and it's this male goat in verse number five and he talks about this male goat and this male goat has one horn and he said in verse number five that it touched not the ground, talking about the swiftness of this goat or the swiftness of the Greek an empire because Alexander the Great, my friend, as he stepped forth uh, and destroyed the Medo-Persians, uh, he began to conquer with such swiftness and such vastness. Uh, he overcame the enemies and rose to great power and you can read the story of Alexander the Great and it's unbelievable how quick and how powerful this man uh, rose to be a ruler of this world. But the Bible says in verse number eight, therefore the he-goat waxed very strong and the Bible said talking about Alexander the great when he was strong watch this uh, the great horn was broken amen you see all the rulers of this world one day are going to be put down no matter how great or no matter how powerful no matter how authoritative they may look or may seem every great power in this world has fallen I want to say this on a side note as great as America is today and I love America but she's not found in Bible prophecy I do not know what's going to happen America to America, but I'm very afraid this morning. Uh, listen, though my trust is in the Lord, but I'm fearful for this nation that destruction is just around the corner while the church falls asleep and lives in apathy and souls die and go to hell uh, and the coming of Jesus is on the threshold of eternity and the world is in chaos. Uh, and my friend, there's catastrophe and turmoil on every continent today uh, and everything is pointing toward a nuclear war uh, and a nuclear 
society and when the world is stooped deep in sin, it has set the stage for America to collapse and for Jesus to come again. Amen? Now, America doesn't need to collapse for Jesus to come. He could come at any moment. But one of those two are about to happen, friend. I believe soon and very soon we're going to see, my friend, Bible prophecy come fulfilled before our very eyes. Amen? And the Bible says that this little horn, when it was strong, it was broken. Or this great horn. And the Bible says, it, for it came up for four notable ones toward the four winds of heaven. Whenever Alexander the Great lost power and died and died suddenly, Greece was divided into four different districts there. And out of that one district came this other horn, this little horn that Daniel talks about in verse number nine, being Antiochus Epiphanes. And the Bible says that out of one of them came forth a little horn which waxed exceeding great toward the south and toward the east and toward the pleasant land. Now notice what this little horn does. The Bible says it waxed great even to the host of heaven and cast down some of the host of the stars to the ground and stamped upon them. That is the saints of God. If you study history, what you find is an Antiochus Epiphanes. My friend, listen, now we've come down to that little tiny land of Judah and Antiochus Epiphanes goes in and he persecutes the Jew. He persecutes the people of God. He stomps them out. As the Bible talks about in verse number he not only stomps the saints but you'll notice in verse 11 that my friend he desecrates the sanctuary as the Bible said that he magnified himself even to the prince of the host and by him the daily sacrifices were taken away and the place of this sanctuary was cast down my friend listen this wicked ruler and this wicked tyrant was a foreshadow and a type of one that will be greater to come and that is very soon coming and very possibly even lives in the world right now but he not only desecrated the sanctuary and my friend not only did he persecute the saints but notice what the Bible says in verse number 12 he desecrated or my friend he denied the truth of the word of God the Bible says in the middle part of that verse that he cast down the truth to the ground and practiced and he prospered you know sometimes God will let the heathen rage and imagine wicked things or vain things as the Bible says but there is coming a reckoning day for every God denying heathen. Amen. And this wicked ruler, it looked as though he would rule forever. It looked as though the house of God had been defeated. You know, I don't in my mind understand why God, because his ways are so much greater than our ways. Brother Laddie, I don't understand why God allows the wicked to prosper and the godly to be punished. But only God knows that this morning. We live in a sinful world and it may just be a simple answer as the results of living in a sinful world. But my friend, whatever happened and took place, it got heaven's attention. For you'll notice in the next verse of scripture, verse number 13, the Bible says, Then I heard one of the saints speaking to another saint and said unto the certain saint which spake, spake, How long shall be the vision concerning the daily sacrifice? and the transgression of desolation to give both the sanctuary and the host to be trodden underfoot. 
What's happening is that there's a conversation in heaven. One angel is talking to another angel and saying, how long is this going to happen? How long is this going to take place? The answer is in the next verse. The Bible says, and he said unto me, under two and three, uh, two, 2,300 days, then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. Uh, do you know if you go back and you study history and you look at Antioch Epiphanes, uh, that, that, that's exactly approximately how long uh, that he desecrated, my friend, the sanctuary there in Jerusalem. Uh, if you read about that, you find out uh, that it was a little over six years uh, and then a man the Bible talks about by Judas Maccabus came in and he drove him out and he cleansed the temple. After 2,300 days, uh, that proves again that that Bible is true and that God, whatever he says, uh, is prophecy, it's history in advance. Uh, you see, friend, the world doesn't believe what we're preaching today, but you can look in the book of Daniel and what God said would happen back then has already happened happen now. So I have no reason to believe uh, that if God was right in the beginning and if God's been right in the in between, uh, then God's going to be right in the end. Amen. Uh, there is going to be a rapture. There is going to be a resurrection. There is going to be a revelation. We are going home. Hallelujah. We are getting out of this world. Uh, uh, Jesus is coming. Uh, you will see your loved ones again. Uh, uh, the devil's going to be on the chain gang. Uh, we will see, sing a uh, uh, sweet hallelujahs uh, uh, forever through eternity. Amen. He's coming, friend. And this Bible is true. Daniel comes down after seeing this vision and he asks the very question that I think would be in all of our minds this morning. It's in verse number 15. And it came to pass when I, even I, Daniel, had seen the vision and sought for the meaning. Notice Daniel sees the vision, but he's seeking for the meaning. Lord, what does all this mean? For the Jews, it means more persecution. That's why the last verse of this text says that Daniel was sick. Because a godly man will be sickened over the destruction and the sin of his people. A carnal man feels nothing and it means nothing to him. He's living for this world. But Daniel was so burdened for his people and the persecution that would take place, it would have been easy for Daniel to do what a lot of Christians are doing today. He could have sat at ease in his retirement and said, well, that's 150 years or so. He didn't know how many years, but it's many days I'll be gone. It's somebody else's problem. But Daniel being the godly man, he loved his country and he loved his nation. I tell you, I love America, don't you? I tell you, we ought to have a burden for our nation. Instead of criticizing and complaining about everything that goes on in this country, I don't care which side of the aisle you're on this morning, what we ought to do is pray and vote and pray and vote and pray and vote and take a stand for what we know is right. Amen. We ought to exercise our freedom and our God-given authority that has been given to us while we still can. But we must have a burden. Criticizing doesn't do anything, but praying will accomplish a whole lot. Friend, on our knees, crying out for our nation uh, crying out for our president and those are in uh, Washington and those are even in our local authorities uh, and we ought to pray the people of God ought to have a burden uh, for persecution could come to this land just like it came to the Jews. Amen. See people in America has lived in prosperity so long that they think this is a fairy tale and that what's happening around the world cannot happen to us today but I'm going to tell you something friend before the sun sets this morning all right, your 401k retirement plan, and everything that you spent your whole life saving could be wiped out and gone. 
Our houses could be burned. Our land could be taken. Everything as we know it, our children could be in captivity. You and I could be in captivity. You say, oh, but preacher, we're the superpower of this day. So was Babylon. So was Greece. So was Rome. I'm telling you, so was the Medo-Persians. God sets them up and he brings them down. That's what this text is all about. And Daniel is standing there and Gabriel comes and says, Daniel, I'm going to tell you the end of what indignation is all about. Antiochus Epiphanes is a type and a foreshadow of one that will come long after after you're gone and the saints of God are gone and the Bible talks about him in verse number 23 he says that he's a king of fierce countenance it talks about the visage of this man it says in verse number 24 he says that his power shall be mighty but not by his own power talking about the vitality of the antichrist he said he shall destroy the mighty and the holy people in verse 24 talking about the victims of his people you see just as Antiochus Epiphanes destroyed the Jews then the Antichrist is going to do the same when he comes back to this earth or when he lives upon this earth he talks about the vileness of this man in verse 25 he said through his policy also he shall cause craft to prosper in his hand he talks about my friend the vanity he said that he shall magnify himself in his heart and by peace he shall destroy many do you realize how wicked pride is this morning Think about this. Pride is what got Satan kicked out of heaven. Pride is what will catapult the end times and the Antichrist. Brother, we that are saved this morning ought to have a fiery vengeance and hatred for pride. God resisteth the proud. I have seen God resist people in church because of pride. I've watched them resist him. But oh sad day. When God turns his back on them. I've watched people die in their pride. Both the lost and the saved. Held the hand of saved men and women. As they made the crossing. Oh how foolish they lived on earth. Because life became more about self as self was upon the throne rather than God being upon the throne. If you really want to be right with God and I do this morning, then we're to keep a tender heart. We're to think small of ourselves. We're to never elevate ourselves above anybody else. We're to prefer our brother before ourselves. We're to realize that life is not about me. Life is about Jesus Christ and helping others. We're to, we're to run from the spotlight. We're to stay as clear from the way as we can. We're to put the work of God first and to hide behind the shadows of a bloody cross realize that had it not been for grace had it not been for Calvary had it not been for Jesus we'd all be in hell this morning oh but for the grace of God that can reach further down than I could ever reach up when I was drowning in my sorrow when I was drowning in my sin Jesus threw a lifeline out and by the blood I've been rescued I've been washed I've been saved I say bless his name I say glory to God I Say hallelujah. He is worthy to be praised. And as John the Baptist preached, we should all preach that he must increase and I must decrease. That people would not see me, but that they would see Jesus. That we would see no man save Jesus only. The church would not be about us, 
that'd be about him. And I get sick and tired of people looking around, seeing who's here and who's not here. It ain't just here, it is here, but it's everywhere else. I get tired of people making songs and sermons and ministries and everything else about them. I'm telling you, if we could get behind that this morning, oh, if we could hide behind the light, if we could let Jesus shine forth, Oh, the songwriter said, but Jesus, he outshines them all. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, I feel glory in my soul this morning. Uh, Brother Barnes, uh, I'm telling you, he is altogether lovely. Uh, There is a man of sin, uh, but there was a man of sorrows. uh, Before there was a man of sin, uh, and he took my sin uh, all the way to Calvary, and he suffered, and he bled, and he died for my sins. Hallelujah. And this morning... If all I ever got to do was to go sit in the very corner of this sanctuary and just feel the breeze, the heavenly breeze blow over my soul and let the spring of living water spring forth. (laughs) Woo! Glory to God. Just to watch it, oh, spring up, oh well. (laughs) To watch him perform. To sit in his presence. I know some of y'all ain't got no idea what I'm talking about. But it don't make no difference right now. Woo! Hallelujah. Spring up, oh well. Spring up, oh well. Spring up, oh well. Oh, my friend, if you've ever been in the glory, I'm not talking about with a crowd. I'm talking about just you and him. If you ever got a good dose of all time, Holy Ghost. Oh, thank God for Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah to God. Amen. Praise the Lord. Woo! Isn't Jesus good this morning? Isn't Jesus wonderful? I don't got to preach anything new. Is he not good? Is he not the best thing that's ever happened to you? Hallelujah. I like this guy. He started shouting lately. Amen. Let me just see if I can pick you up. Yep. You're still growing. Hallelujah. Praise God. All you young people ought to be on fire. If you're saved, you ought to shout. If you're saved, you ought to throw your hand up. I'm telling you, you're not going to hell. You've been born again by the grace of God. He's good to us, amen. He's wonderful, and he just wants to be praised. Hallelujah. We're so far behind. And I'm telling you, worship is hard when it ain't about him. But it's awful easy. Woo! When it's just you and Jesus. Brother, I want to say this morning, the end is nearing. Christ is returning. He's coming. I tell you, I look look for him this morning. Text the dear man of God who's prayed a lot of prayers for me in my life. I text him this morning. And I said to him, I said, I love you, brother. I said, I'm praying for you as you preach this morning. (laughs) And I texted him this little phrase. I said, some golden daybreak. (laughs) Woo! (laughs) Some golden daybreak. Jesus will come again. (laughs) And he sent me back a text in capital letters that said, Amen. 
Even so, come quickly. Lord Jesus. Man, I feel like just shouting this morning. Brother Danny, he might come today. Wouldn't it be good if Jesus come? Wouldn't it be wonderful? Brother Laddie, if the trumpet sounded while we was in church this morning and before we could blink our eye, we're standing in his presence. We're in his glory. We're in his likeness. Thank God we defeated death, hell, and the grave. Oh, that he would come again and he would come this morning. This morning as we stand, are you looking for him? Are you ready this morning? You got a burden for somebody? I'm telling you, people's going to hell. Brother, they're going to hell faster than they've ever went. We heard that last Sunday. God help me. God help me to get my eyes off all the things that don't matter and get it on the one thing that really counts. That's him this morning. That's him. Young people, he'll be more real to you than you could ever know if you just draw up close to him. He'll be more real. Church, I'm telling you this morning, revival is when you get close to God. How many of us need real revival? How many of us this morning? Why tarry another service? Why don't you come down this aisle and get in this altar? Don't you let pride hold you there. What would it cost you to come get in this altar and say, Oh Lord, let me have more of you. I've drifted, I've wandered, I've, I've grown stale, I've grown cold. I've let the cares of life hinder my relationship. But I want that sweetness back. I want that joy back. I want that fullness of the Spirit back in my life. While Brother David sings, you can have it if you want it.